chapter number 10 today. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you. And we want to make sure that everybody has a copy of God's word that you can follow along. And we are in a series that we've been calling Around the Table. And we've been listening in to some of the conversations that Jesus had around the table. Some of these powerful and intimate and personal conversations And we're learning many things that we can glean and apply to our own lives. And today we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. And we're going to start reading in verse number 38. And if you are ready at the 10 o'clock service to dive into God's word, would you say amen? Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. The Bible says this. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing, everybody turn to your neighbor and say one thing, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Today, for a few minutes, I'd like to speak to this subject, the one thing, the one thing. Let's have a word of prayer together and we'll dive into God's word today. Lord, thank you so much for this day that you've given us again. And Lord, thank you that we can come together and lift high your name and give you the worship that you alone deserve. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word today in a powerful way. God, I pray that all of us would have hearts of reception, that we would be ready to receive that which you have for us and apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray that there would be no barrier or hindrance from your word being clearly presented and from the gospel being shared today. Lord, we recognize this morning that it's not about what we have to say, but it is about what you have to say. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be clear. Lord, I pray that we would understand the one thing that you want us to prioritize in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said this morning. When Katie and I first got engaged, we started to do a little bit of the wedding planning. And I'll be honest with you, I did not have a very big role in that process at all. In fact, uh, Katie uh, did not really want my help in that process. And I did not really even care uh, about many of those details and what colors the wedding was and what uh, venue we were going to have and, and uh, uh, you know, what was going to be on the menu. All I knew is I wanted there to be a moment in the wedding where you can kiss the bride. And that was the part that I was most interested in. And so I didn't have a big uh, role in the planning of all the details for the wedding. But there was one thing that Katie did ask me to do. I had one job, and I had to make sure that I did this job, and that was to uh, reserve a limousine that would take us from the church to the reception, and that was my one job. And I said, no problem, I can do that, and I'd be happy to do that and to reserve that limousine. And uh, we came closer to our wedding, and Katie was planning and preparing, and she was getting help from her mom and her bridesmaids and getting ready. And we came down to a couple of days before the wedding, and Katie said, all right, now, uh, what time will the limousine pick us up? And it was in that moment that it dawned on me. That I forgot to make the reservation. 
And so I started calling the one thing. I, I started calling every single limousine company I could think of and every one that I could find on Google. And uh, we got married in the state of Washington. And there was not one limousine in all of the state of Washington uh, that we could reserve for our wedding day. And so I'm sad to tell you today that we did not have a limo on our wedding day. Uh, but we did have a nice uh, car that I borrowed from someone. But it was not the same not the same thing as a limousine. And Katie likes to remind me that, of that every so often, right? I had one job to do. I had one thing that I was responsible for, and I dropped the ball on that one thing. The reality is for all of us today is we have so many differing and different responsibilities in life. We have so many different roles in life. We have so many different things that are vying for our attention in life. Uh, we have many different uh, hats that we wear. Uh, in my life, uh, I am a husband. I'm a father. I'm a friend. I'm a pastor. I'm a coach for my son's little league team. I wear uh, a lot of different hats at times, and we have different roles and responsibilities. There's many things in life that are calling for our attention, but you need to know today that there is one thing that we should prioritize above everything else. There are many things that are asking for our attention, but there is one thing that truly deserves our attention. And this is what Jesus is going to talk about in Luke chapter number 10. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, talked about this one thing that, that he prioritized in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse number 13. The Bible says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived yet. Uh, by the way, how many of you know that none of us have arrived yet, right? We've all got some growing to do. And he says, I have not apprehended, but this one thing I do. Not these many things I dabble with, but this one thing that I do. He had a singular focus, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so for Paul, the apostle, he said the one thing that I'm going to prioritize is pursuing Jesus with my life. The one thing that I have to prioritize above all else is knowing God's son, Jesus. The, the one thing that deserves our utmost attention in life is spending time pursuing Jesus. Now, we come to Luke chapter number 10, and this is the truth that Jesus is going to communicate uh, around the table. Now, uh, this is a recognizable story. In fact, if we, uh, as we read it a second ago, you might uh, be familiar with this story. But I want to give us a little bit of context here. Notice verse number 38 as we kind of uh, put ourselves at the table and we pull up a seat to the table. Notice verse number 38. The Bible says this. Now, it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village... Uh, this village was the, the city of Bethany. Uh, Bethany was about two miles. It's about two miles from Jerusalem. He entered into this village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And so right off the bat, we're introduced to a woman named Martha. Martha did a good thing. She welcomed Jesus into her home. How many of you would say that's a good thing that Martha did? She received Jesus into her home. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he was on earth, did not have a home. Uh, the Bible says that the Son of Man, which was a messianic title for Jesus, the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. And so Jesus didn't have a home, but he would often stay with his friends. And some of his greatest friends were Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Uh, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And Martha here is showing hospitality and a good thing, and she opens up her home and receives Jesus into her house. Now, in ancient Eastern culture, hospitality was a virtue that they did not ignore. Okay, hospitality was kind of par for the course. Uh, it was the expectation. If there's a, a visitor or traveler that's coming through, and uh, it was your obligation and expectation to provide and to be hospitable for that person. And so this was kind of par for the course. 
In fact, uh, in Greek culture, uh, the god Zeus was the god of hospitality. And so it didn't really matter what your background was. Everyone knew that you were supposed to be hospitable. Uh, Luke, as he writes uh, the Gospel of Luke and as he writes the book of Acts, he highlights hospitality several different times and, and shows us the importance not only to observe hospitality as an ancient Eastern tradition, but actually as a biblical precedent that we should follow and prioritize in our lives. Uh, Time and time again, we are instructed to be hospitable people. In fact, uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, distributing to the saints the the necessity of the saints given to hospitality, that that we should prioritize uh, hospitality, uh, that we should open up our homes and open up our tables and open up our lives to invite people in, that we should take someone out to eat and pray with them and encourage them, uh, that we should not just uh, uh, get into our garage and shut the garage door and never talk to anyone, but that we should uh, encourage one another and edify one another. First Peter 4, 9 says, use hospitality one toward another without grudging. This is something that we're instructed to do. And so we see Martha, right off the bat, we're introduced to Martha, Jesus' friend, and she does a good thing. She welcomes Jesus into her home. This would have been a great blessing for Jesus. Jesus had just got through a very busy season of ministry. You read all the events uh, preceding Luke chapter 10. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. He had done teaching. He had done healing. Uh, Jesus uh, was in a busy season of ministry. The Bible says that he would wake up early often. and, And Jesus, being fully God and fully man, knew what it was like to experience fatigue. He knew what it was like to be tired. And so this morning, if you're like, man, I'm just exhausted in my season of life, just know that we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but as in all points, uh, like we are, he was tempted, yet he was without sin. In other words, Jesus knew what it was like to experience fatigue and exhaustion. And so this was a great blessing for Jesus to be able to go to this home to get some rest from the busy season of ministry. By the way, I believe that there's a leadership principle here. Those that lead and those that feed and those that uh, are busy uh, doing uh, the work of the ministry and those that are in a position of leadership uh, need to have people in their lives that can pour into them and provide care for them and and provide accountability and and, and rest for them. And and so Jesus here, he's going to uh, the home of uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and he's experiencing this hospitality. Martha's doing a good thing. But what happens around the table as this scene unfolds is something that is staggering. There's this confrontation that takes place that is almost a little awkward as it happens. And Jesus is going to use this interaction to teach us about the power of priority. And what I want to do today is as we look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, what I want to do is I want to give us three indications, three warning signs, if you will, three indications that we are neglecting the one thing, Uh, three indications that we are not prioritizing the right thing in life. Are you ready for those three warning signs this morning? Uh, Notice the first one, if you're taking notes today, the first warning sign is this, when you are distracted by activity, when you are distracted by activity. Now, this story is familiar. It's easy to resonate with. We have the clash of two personalities. We have Martha and we have Mary. Uh, Martha, she is the one that is busy. She is the one that's type A. She is the one that is productive. She likes to get things done. Uh, Martha is just busy, busy. She's she's, uh, uh, getting a lot of things done. And then you have Mary. She's more of a free spirit. Let's just kind of see what happens today. And uh, how many of you would say that you resonate more with Martha? You're more of a Martha, okay? How many of you would say that you're more of a Mary, okay? And uh, if you don't know, you're probably a Mary because Marthas know when they're a Martha, right? And uh, they're just, they, they got it down to a science. They've got it figured out. And we have this clash of personalities. We have these two sisters, differing personalities. Uh, One is characterized by their activity, and uh, uh, the other is Mary, and she is content to uh, sit uh, in this 
narrative, two differing uh, personalities. You know, the reality is, is that in this family, there are these two siblings with differing personalities. But how many of you know that the church is compared to a family? The family of God. And here's the reality today, that all of us bring differing perspectives and personalities to the table. And often, a spiritually immature person will resent a differing personality, and we will try to have everyone conform to our image and our personality, rather than celebrating that the diversity in the mosaic that is the local church, that God wants to use differing personalities to bring forth uh, something special in our midst. Uh, the other day, I was at a Dodger game with my two oldest children, uh, Luke and Liv, and uh, we went to a Dodger game. We were having a lot of fun. And how many of you know sometimes just siblings, they just fight? How many of you have a sibling this morning? You have a, how many of you are an only child? Preston on the front row this morning. Yeah, let's give it up for Preston this morning. And sometimes siblings just fight for no reason. And uh, we were at a Dodger game, and we were singing at the seventh inning stretch, take me out to the ball game, having a great time. And so I took out my phone just because I was recording this, take, uh, th this uh, taking place, and they're singing. And all of a sudden, uh, they just start to bother each other at the end of the song, and they got into a little bit of a fight. And I caught it all on camera, and I thought, I'm going to bring it this morning to show you. And so we have a video this morning of this scene. No reason at all. Uncalled for. She just started the fight, and then here we are trying to break up a fight at Dodger Stadium, right? And uh, sometimes this is how it goes. And uh, there is a clash of personalities. Uh, I love what George Barna said. He, he talks about this in this book, The Power of Team Leadership. He said, had the church relied upon a single, incredibly gifted, magnetic individual, the church would surely have collapsed. What the disciples discovered was that none of them had the complete package of gifts, abilities, and insights necessary to facilitate the growth of the Christian church, but each had a very significant and divine, uh, defined role to play in that revolutionary undertaking. I'm so thankful today that the church is comprised of all different personalities that can be used for the glory of God. Don't you love how the Apostle Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but ultimately it was God that gave the increase. And so rather than spending time uh, fighting against one another, let's fight with one another and let's charge hell with a squirt gun and recognize that there are people that need to know about the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus Christ and let's strive together for the faith of the gospel. And so there's all different personalities. Uh, uh, Mary and Martha here, uh, we see that Mary, she sat. Martha, she was serving. Uh, but uh, here we're going to see that Jesus talks about the power of priority when it comes to sitting and serving. And I want you to see first, uh, Mary, she was, she was sitting. Notice verse number 39. It says this. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, in this culture, if you were to sit at the feet of a rabbi, that meant that you were learning and listening and subscribing to that rabbi. Uh, it's like the Apostle Paul when he was describing his testimony and his upbringing, and he talked about how he had the finest education. He said that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. What was he saying? That he was a student of Gamaliel, that he was listening and gleaning and learning from Gamaliel. And so what Mary is doing here is she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening and learning and subscribing to uh, what Jesus was uh, saying. And so she was loving and listening to what Jesus had to say. And you know what I love about Mary? Mary is mentioned uh, three times in the gospel record. And all three times, she's in the same place. Here, she's mentioned Luke chapter number 10, and she's at the feet of Jesus. 
in John chapter 11, her brother Lazarus died, and she comes to the feet of Jesus mourning. The Bible says she came to his feet and fell at his feet. In John chapter 12, she's so overcome with emotion and gratitude that Jesus raised Lazarus that she breaks open the alabaster box and anoints Jesus' feet. And the Bible tells us again that she's at the feet of Jesus. All three times that she's mentioned, she's in the same place, at the feet of Jesus. One was a moment of joy. One was a moment of mourning and loss. And one was a moment of worship. Can I tell you, no matter what season you find yourself in today, it's always a good season to be at the feet of Jesus. Whether you are in a season of joy, whether you are in a season of hurting, whether you are in a season of healing, you can always pull up a seat to the table and rest at the feet of Jesus. Here is Mary. She's always in the same spot, listening, learning, gleaning uh, to what Jesus has to say. She finds herself at the feet of Jesus. Uh, the Bible says in John chapter 15, this is what Jesus says. He says, abide in me. Everybody say abide. abide. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. And so three times Jesus instructs us to abide. You know what the word abide means in this context here? Remain. Stay. So often we are in a hurry to go to the next thing or to go to a new thing. And Jesus says, why don't you just stay a little longer? Why don't you just abide and remain in me? This is what Mary is doing. She's remaining, abiding at the feet of Jesus. Maybe today you are tired. Maybe you are exhausted. Maybe you are frustrated. And the reason is you are not spending time encountering the presence of God. Maybe what you need most today is to open up God's word and to spend time listening and learning and subscribing to the teaching of Jesus. Uh, maybe you are exhausted trying to do so many different things, but you are not doing the one thing that we are called to do the most, and that is to encounter God's presence and to sit at his feet. Jesus says, abide in me. And so Mary was doing exactly what she should have been doing. She was sitting. But what was Martha doing? Martha was serving. She was serving. Notice it in verse number 40. Everybody still with me today? Verse 40, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. Martha was busy. She was type A. She was going to get a lot done. She was the classic stressed out dinner host. We got to make sure that the salad is out. We got to make sure the table is set, the utensils are out. We have to make sure we have enough napkins. We have to make sure the bread is out. What time is the meat going to be done? Does anybody have any ice? Did we get the ice? Martha is just stressed out about what is taking place. Uh, recently, I saw an Instagram reel, and uh, Katie showed it to me, and I had her take a screen recording of this because I think it kind of adequately describes the, the spirit of Martha, and so I brought it for us this morning to check out. I'm convinced that there are two types of moms. Mom A is the mom that will host a kid's birthday party at her house and will just order pizza, order cake, let the kids run around, job done. And then there's mom B who will have the birthday party at her house and who will stress about every meal. Are the adults gonna have enough to eat? What if the adults don't want pizza? What if there's a food allergy? What if, where am I gonna hang the pinata? Where's the rope for the pinata? I need a piece of my dad's rope from his garage for the pinata. What are we gonna hang the pinata with? Oh, I have an old field hockey stick. Is that too dangerous for the kids? No, we're gonna do it with the field hockey stick. Does everybody wear sunscreen? Do I have to have a bucket of all different types of sunscreen? What if everybody doesn't like strawberry shortcake cake? Should I get extra cake? Should I get ice cream too? What if everybody doesn't want pizza? <laughs> oh. Can anybody re resonate with that this morning? Uh, how about point to someone that's like that in your life? No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. This was Martha. She was 
worried about everything, right? She was thinking through all the details. But before we kind of beat up Martha, and before we kind of pile on Martha, let's kind of be careful here for a second. Because how many of you have ever had over an important dinner guest to your home? When that happens, you want to make sure that you get it right. You think through all the details. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to talk about? Uh, what? we got to make sure that the house is clean. Uh, we want to make sure that all the details are in order, right? And uh, Martha was trying to put her best foot forward. I remember growing up, we had company all the time, and my parents were very hospitable. And uh, one night, we had a lot of important guests over. We had the mayor over and some politicians and some pastors and some people. And it was my job. Uh, it was my job as a junior hire to be the person that refilled the drinks. And so that was the one assignment that I had. And so I went in and I was a little bit nervous because everybody was important in the room. And I said, can I get you a refill? And they said, yes. And so I took it to the other room and somebody poured the drink in. Then I brought it back and I set it down on the table. And as I was walking away, I realized that I gave the drink to the wrong person and I'd accidentally switched it with the person across them. And as I turned around to tell them, I realized it was already too late. They were drinking out of it. And so uh, what, uh, what was done was done. Okay. I couldn't do anything about it at that moment, but I messed it up and I kind of just sheepishly uh, left the room. You know, when you have an important guest, you want to make sure that you get it right. Well, Martha was having God over for dinner. Jesus in her home. How many of you would say, I'd probably be a little nervous too. Anybody like that? And so Martha wants to make sure that everything's right. And sometimes we're quick to just beat up Martha and say, come on, Martha, you're missing the point, right? But remember, Martha was the one that welcomed Jesus into her home. The whole reason Mary could sit at Jesus' feet was because Martha made it happen. And so the idea here is that it's not that Martha was doing a wrong thing in serving. Serving is a good thing. We should serve the Lord. We should want to serve Jesus. Serving was not the problem. Did you notice the problem in verse number 40? Notice it, verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered means distracted. She was distracted. And so her problem was not the level of her devotion. The problem was the level of her distraction, that she was being pulled in so many different directions that she forgot what was the most important thing. She was so busy. Now, now, now whether today uh, you are more of a Mary or more of a Martha, here's the reality for all of us. We're living in a Martha world. We're living in a busy, distracted world world where we are characterized by our work and our hustle and our grind and we're going to make a certain amount of money and we're going to get promoted and we're going to uh, constantly be uh, characterized by activity and, and uh, by busyness. You know, Corey Tenboom said something interesting. She said, if the devil can't make us bad, he'll just make us busy. He wants just to get us to be a little bit distracted so we miss What's most important? And if you haven't noticed, we're living in a culture of just total distraction. So many things in our lives are trying to get our attention. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a pretty conservative estimate uh, in the United States. On average, uh, two hours a day uh, we spend on social media. We spend four hours a day watching TV. And so six hours a day are just given to social media and TV. See, so many things in our lives can be good things. But just given the wrong time allotment or given the wrong priority become a bad thing. Uh, sports can be a good thing. School is a good thing. Social events can be a good thing. But if those things crowd out time with Jesus or if those things crowd out time to worship Jesus on a Sunday, what we've done is allowed secondary things to replace the primary thing, the one thing. And so here is Martha, and she is just dis uh, distracted. Uh, she is being pulled in so many different directions. Watch this. Uh, Mary, she sat. Martha, she served. 
Both are good, but there is a proper order. Sitting must always come before serving. Because serving without sitting will always lead to frustration. Serving without sitting will always lead to burnout. Serving without sitting will always lead to agitation. Serving without sitting will always lead to exasperation. And so sitting must come before serving because sitting then without serving leads to stagnation. We never get anything done. And so both are good, but sitting must come before serving. We must spend time with Jesus and not be so characterized by so many different things that we're doing that we miss the one thing, that we miss the most important thing. And so this is why at Rock Hill, uh, we uh, love serving the Lord. We have a dream team that we love to serve the Lord together. But that's why we have a sit and serve culture. It's not a sit or serve culture. It's a sit and serve. We want to make sure that, yes, we're serving the Lord, but also we're sitting and making time to glean and to listen uh, at the feet of Jesus. And so uh, here is Martha, and she's doing a good thing, but she is uh, uh, missing the one thing, the most important thing in her life. And so this is sign number one, when you are distracted by activity. Here's the second sign. Number two today is this. Uh, Here is an indication that you're missing the one thing. Number two, when you are drawn to comparison. Verse number 40, it says this. But Martha was cumbered. She was distracted about much serving. Now, notice what she does here. And she came to Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. Now, uh, this... Uh, is kind of a natural thing that siblings do. She's going to go tattle on her sister, right? And she's going to go to Jesus, and she says, don't you care? Uh, tell her she needs to be serving like me. And, uh, and uh, tell her, Jesus, that she needs to come and help me. Mary isn't helping Jesus. Tell her to help. You know, serving without sitting will always open the gates of comparison in our lives. Because what happens is, is we start to think, well, why aren't they doing as much as I do? Why aren't they giving as much as I give? Why aren't they caring as much as I care? Uh, Why aren't they doing all the things that I do? And we start to compare ourselves among ourselves. But I want to remind you, the scripture says that those that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. And so we have to recognize that comparison is always the thief of joy. And that's exactly what it did in Martha's life. It took her joy from her. She took a good thing serving, and now she is having her joy taken from her because she is Comparing. This is why Galatians 6 says this. Galatians 6, verse number 4. But let let every man prove his own work. This is a good verse that you should memorize, you should highlight, that you should remember. That instead of worrying about everybody else, that you should examine and prove your own work. Take a look within. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. In other words, do what you do for the audience of one, for Jesus and for Jesus alone. And and so she was drawn to comparison and that robbed her joy. Watch this. Martha did the right thing, but with the wrong spirit at the wrong time. Be very careful in life that you don't do the right thing with the wrong spirit at the wrong time. Here's Martha, and her attitude now is becoming uh, uh, resentful, so much so that now she's going to accuse Jesus. Notice it it in verse number 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and she came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? Think about who she's talking to. She's talking to Jesus, and she says, do you even care? See, what happens when you are overextended, what happens when you are stressed out, is that you develop blind spots and you become resentful. You become resentful towards the people that love you and care about you the most. Here is Martha, and she says, Jesus, don't you care? 
See, Jesus was sitting in Martha's home in Bethany, two miles away from Jerusalem, where in five or six months, Jesus would go to the cross and give his life as a ransom for many. And so, of course, Jesus cared. He cared more than Martha could ever imagine. But here's Martha, because she's overextended. Now she's resentful. Jesus, do you even care? If you're not careful in life, and if you're not spending time with Jesus, and you're not prioritizing the one thing, you will start to think, does anyone even care? Does anyone care about my pain? Does anyone care what I'm going through? Does anyone even care about the problems that I am bearing in life? And here is Martha, and she is drawn to comparison. And so we see uh, two signs. We see the sign that you are distracted by activity. Uh, sign number two, that you are drawn to comparison. And this leads us to our third thought. Number three is this. Here's the, first, the third indication. When you are distraught with anxiety. When you're distraught with anxiety. Notice our text in verse number 41. Everybody still with me this morning? Verse 41, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Uh, he says her name twice uh, to really get her attention, to communicate intimacy. Mar you can almost imagine the scene that Martha's so busy, she's so stressed out that Jesus says, Martha, Martha, pay attention, Martha, 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 thou art careful and troubled about many things. Now, the word careful there is the Greek word merimnao. It means to be anxious. We see this throughout the New Testament, uh, this, this uh, idea of being anxious, filled with anxiety. She was filled with worry. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are so worried. You are so anxious, which makes sense because work without worship will always lead to worry. If you are busy working and characterized by activity, but you're never worshiping, then you're going to experience anxiety. You're going to experience worry. And we live in a culture that is characterized by anxiety. We know this. According to the American Institute of Stress, about 33% of people report feeling extreme stress in the United States. 77% of people experience stress that affects their physical health. 73% of people have stress that impacts their mental health. We spend in the United States $300 billion a year on stress-related ailments. Statistically speaking, the United States is now the most anxious nation in the world. Amen. We all know what it's like. We've all experienced it. You start to get a little short on breath. Your shoulders get tight. Your chest gets tight. You get a little irritable. You start to get a little angry. Anxiety starts to creep in. You know, Max Lucado, he writes about the difference between fear and anxiety, and this is what he said. He said, anxiety and fear are cousins, but they're not twins. Fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines one. Fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines one. And, and often the battle is in our mind, and we're so worried about so many different things. But I want to read to you in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Would it be okay at the 10 o'clock service if I just had a, read a really encouraging verse? Would that be okay? Because I, I think that we need to recognize that God has given us what we need to overcome stress and anxiety and to rest in the Lord. Philippians 4, verse number 6 says this. Be careful. There's that same word that Jesus said to Martha. Be anxious for nothing. D don't let your life be characterized by anxiety. Uh, sometimes thoughts of anxiety will creep in and we'll have feelings of anxiety that creep in, but don't let them stay there. Uh, don't let it control you. Uh, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but I'm thankful that the prison of anxiety is optional, that we don't have to stay there. He says, be careful, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And watch this, in the peace of God. How many of you know that God is offering a peace that no one else can offer? The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep, protect, guard your hearts and minds through Christ 
Jesus. So don't be anxious for anything, but rather trust and experience the peace of God. But here is the best part. Two verses later, he says, if you do this, then you will not only experience the peace of God, but two verses later, he says, you will also experience the God, here's his verbiage, the God of peace. You know what's better than the peace of God? The God of peace. I'm thankful today that not only do we have access to experience the peace of God, but we have access to the one that loves us, the one that created us, the very God of peace, the very Prince of peace. And so when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel anxious, we have a biblical promise that we can experience a peace that shouldn't make any sense to the world around us. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that you're going through a great trial of affliction and adversity, and other people look at your life and they think, how can they be smiling through this? How can they still have joy through what they're going through? It's because the peace of God passes all understanding. It transcends human thinking. And so Jesus looks at Martha and he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many different things. But notice what he says in verse 42. But one thing, is needful. One thing. You're troubled about many things, and many things are important, but one thing is preeminent. There are many good things, many important things, but one preeminent thing. But there is one thing that is absolutely needful, one thing that is absolutely necessary, and Mary, your sister, hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I believe that Jesus is using specific verbiage on purpose, a play on words to paint a picture. He says, Mary, your sister hath chosen that good part, uh, that good portion. Now, if you were around the table that day, uh, there were certainly portions that were being handed out when they were serving the food. Martha was serving and she was handing out portions. And here you go, Peter, here's a portion for you. And here you go, John, there's a portion for you. And James, there's a portion for you. And Judas, here's a little sliver for you over here. And, And Jesus, here's a big portion for you right here. Martha wanted to make sure that Jesus had the best part, the best portion. Wouldn't you? Here's the good portion, Jesus. And so what Jesus is saying is, Martha, Mary hath chosen the good portion because I am the good portion. I am the best part. I am the most important thing happening at this dinner party. Uh, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am everything that you need. And Mary hath chosen the good part. She has chosen the good portion. This is the one thing that is most important. And so today I want to encourage you and I want to encourage our church family to not be so distracted and pulled away by many good things that we miss the most important thing. And here's the problem today with casual Christianity is that we think that if we just make Jesus prominent, that that's good enough. Like, look at my schedule. Look at all that I'm doing, man. I'm carrying a lot of different plates and I'm just going to give Jesus a big part of my life. I'm going to make him prominent. But Jesus did not ask us to make him He asked us to make him preeminent. The Bible says in Colossians that in all things he might have the preeminence. That means that Jesus deserves first place in your life in every category. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. And so we can't just say, I'm going to make Jesus a big part of my life. I'm going to make him prominent. No, we need to make him preeminent. He deserves first place. He is the one thing. Spending time with Jesus Learning from his word, sitting at his feet is the priority. It's the most important thing that we can be doing. And I want to encourage you to prioritize the one thing. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.